Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of the All The Anime Podcast, coming to you on Tuesday the 5th of May. I'm Jeremy Graves, and I am joined, as per usual, by my cohort in crime, Mr. Andy Hanley. Hello everyone. Andy, how's it going? How's your weekend been? Um, more to the point, welcome back, although you've been here on the podcast, but welcome back. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm officially back now, not just kind of desperately trying to find something to do. Uh, this, this is also the fourth podcast I've recorded in like 36 hours. Like, I'm, I'm podcasting Carnet. Christ. I, I'm podcasting Carnet at this point. Well, mate, give it a plug while we're here. What's the other podcast you did? Uh, yeah, so uh, as, as uh, some of you who, who know me may know, uh, myself and, and my, my good friend Elliot Page run the Screen Tone Club, a, a podcast about manga. So if you want to t- hear me talking about things that I read rather than things that I watch, um, then uh, then you can, can check that out at screentone.club. So there you go, folks. And give it a listen. It's a good laugh. I enjoy listening to it. And Elliot's a damn good bloke as well. So, you know, <laughs> tell yeah, him yeah. that as well. Tell yeah. him. If, if, if you want to hear us uh, eviscerating a certain title, then you'll be able to do so over the, the next week or so once Elliot has edited it. So look forward to that. <laughs> so, folks, here we are. If you are a first-time listener, thank you very much for checking us out. And if you're going to check out Screen Tone, thank you for checking them out as well. We are All The Anime. We are the UK's largest independent distributor of Japanese animation, be it on home video, digitally, and when the world allows it once again, in the cinema. You can check out our official website, alltheanime.com, and you can hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find our channels, All The Anime. That's All The Anime, one word. In terms of some just general news and notes to to mention, if you haven't already, make sure you take advantage of our current special offers at our alltheanime.com online shop. Today, that being Tuesday the 5th of May, it is the last day to take advantage of the weekly special offer, which for this particular, well, offer that's ongoing, it is for Gankutsuo, The Count of Monte Cristo on Blu-ray. You can pick up the entire series of that for a very special price, and that offer ends today. So if you want to take advantage of that, don't delay. I mean, yeah. rhyme unintentionally. <laughs> Very good. And also, yeah, like I, I will absolutely give a, a, a plug for Genkitsu. Like I watched it like relatively recently. I only actually got around to it last year because, you know, we'd, we'd done sort of prior offers on this. I was like, I really must watch this series because it sounds fascinating and it's really great. Like it is, it is fantastic. And there's a dude that wears a jacket made of like Motorola chips. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the. We might just talk about Gankutsuo for a minute. It, it was really weird because when we initially released that, God, I can't... It was probably a good four or so years ago now that we released it. And I just remember during being involved in the QC process for it at the time, just visually, it is such a unique show, the way they essentially made the background, different backgrounds blend in with the character art. It's so creative. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's kind of... It's so stylistic that it sort of stands the test of time better than other series made in kind of a similar time frame because, like, it's not kind of, you know, absolute sort of cutting-edge stuff, but it just has this incredibly, like, striking style that even though it's sort of, it, it's aged, it's aged in a good way. So, you know, it has a real, it really kind of pops. And I mean, you know, it's Mahiro Maeda, who, you know, is, is a kind of a, something of, of a sort of artistic design genius at the best of times. And it's kind of really, it really kind of shines for, for that. It's, it's really impressive. Exactly. And if you're not familiar with what Genkutsu the Count of Monte Cristo is, very, very easy elevator pitch to give it is it's a sci-fi inspired adaptation set in the future of the world-famous novel The Count of Monte Cristo by uh, Alexander Dumas, I think it was, Andy? Mm-hmm. Yes, that is that is correct. Yeah, and it's, it is a really interesting kind of... 
it's I, I can I can think of other kind of like series and and you know books etc that try and sort of take a, a classic novel and kind of you know rework it and reboot it that, that does a really clumsy job with it but like this is a, a really kind of strong version of that you know it kept it captures all of the core things about the original work and then you know puts it in, into a space future basically and it, it works incredibly well. So again, that is on special offer for the rest of today on the day we're publishing this, Tuesday the 5th of May. And of course, it is still available to buy on Blu-ray in general. So even if you're listening to this way after the fact and it's not on special offer, do yourself a favour and pick it up on Blu-ray because it is totally worth it. And also currently on special offer, as we talked about on Friday, our new collector's edition set of the, the series directed by Shinichiro Watanabe of Cowboy Bebop fame, Terror in Resonance. That is available on special offer through this coming Thursday, the 7th of May. So if you want to get a bargain on that ahead of that release on the 18th of May, you can do that at our alltheanime.com online store. In terms of new releases, this week, folks, it's Gundam time once again, as Gundam 0083, our Blu-ray collector's edition set that has the entire Stardust Memory OVA series, as well as the Afterglow of Xeon film, that is now shipping at our alltheanime.com online store, and is available through other retailers as well. When it comes to orders from our store specifically, orders are now shipping. We've had a heck of a lot of them, to say the least, so our fulfillment team are working their blooming socks off trying to get all the orders fulfilled for that. The stock only actually came in yesterday, to be completely honest. So give it a little bit of time. We really appreciate your patience, but orders are now shipping for that. And Andy, I'm, I'm really looking forward to checking it out myself because I know I mentioned it last week. I've, I now have some discs so I can actually give it a watch. So hopefully we can talk about it in more depth. But as you've talked about, you freaking loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's fantastic. Like I can I can see why it uh, it it's, uh, sits well and is is beloved and and has sold so well amongst Gundam fans because uh, yeah, it, it is it is really great stuff. And uh, one additional note for you, everybody. We talked a few weeks ago about there being a production problem with our initial run of the Neverending Man Hayao Miyazaki documentary release of ours. That has now been sorted. The new stock has been created. If you're ordering from our alltheanime.com online store specifically, all orders are for that new version with the new catalog number that we mentioned. When it comes to other retailers, it might take a bit longer for the stock to get circulated accordingly, but that is being worked on. So we really appreciate your patience with that. But in the interim, and I appreciate this isn't necessarily a viable option for everyone, but if you want to just order it from our shop so you know you will get the correct version from day one, we will obviously employ you to do so. But hopefully, and I'm sure you can agree, Andy, it won't be much longer before that stock is fully circulating and all the original units are out of the wild. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, it should uh, uh, probably, I, I would imagine, kind of like by, by the end of this week, I, I suspect every, everybody will have their ducks in, in a row, hopefully. But uh, yeah, obviously that is uh, dependent on retailers. So, uh, so fingers crossed that all gets uh, tidied up st- shortly and uh, yeah, you can order it from wherever you please. So today on the show, everybody, when it comes to focusing what we're going to be speaking about and such, there isn't a heck of a lot we're going to be talking about, as it were. Not because there isn't anything to watch, just because we wanted to keep it a bit more focused, kind of similar to what we did with the Ghost in the Shell episode last week. So we're going to be focusing on some ReZero, specifically the new OVA that debuted on Crunchyroll last week. We're going to be talking about that in a few minutes' time. But Andy, I know before we started recording, we were discussing it would actually be good to do a little summary of this, because on Anime News Network, and I'll link this in our show notes on the blog post page for the podcast, everybody, there is now somewhat of a roundup as to what anime 
series currently airing have actually completed production, and then some potential variables with that as well. So Andy, we wanted to give this a rundown, because I know we're obviously checking out various things, but this may also impact what people like ourselves may want to carry on watching this season, if there's almost a comprehensive list of sorts as to what you know you can get through, rather than having to have an endless delay on some things. Yes, yeah, like we were talking about this at, at the end of last week, that, you know, it's at that weird point where you're not sure whether you want to carry on watching something, like, n- not sure whether it's going to kind of fall onto hiatus at some point in time. And obviously, that's still kind of the case with a lot of series that are, I, I suspect may kind of like phase in and out of existence as time goes on. It's like, I mean, uh, a certain scientific railgun tea had its episode drop as usual, like this Friday, having taken a week off, which I wasn't necessarily expecting and kind of haven't kept track of. Um, um, but yeah, we do at least have a, a a list of known series that have actually completed production, and also some that are pretty much there, and so should you know be finished in time because they're well ahead of schedule, um, which is is quite uh, quite handy to have if if you're one of those people that doesn't want to kind of be left hanging like you know partway through a series. So in terms of this list on on ANN that has been highlighted, the series that so far have been confirmed to have completed production and have not been delayed because of the COVID-19 situation and such. Art, or Arta, have we actually figured out what the way to pronounce that is, Andy? Is uh, it yeah, it is, it, it is It is. Arta. So it's basically, it's the Italian for art, and so given, given that we have an Italian working in our office, we should be very careful how we pronounce this one, I guess. <laughs> so, so basically, folks, there is an accent on the E, so Arta, yeah. which is on Funimation now, if I remember correctly, right? Yes, that is correct. Then we have Ascendance of a Bookworm, which is streaming on Crunchyroll. And as I mentioned on the show on Friday, you can watch a decent amount of those episodes dubbed, but the subtitled version is also currently airing. Mm-hmm. Dropkick on My Devil Dash, which I believe is airing on Crunchyroll. I'm literally doing this from memory because, again, preparation, folks. Yes, I believe yes. that is on Crunchyroll. Yeah, so that series actually dropped in its entirety, kind of Netflix style. So yeah, all of the episodes just dropped in in one hit for that one. So that was kind of always uh, there for you to to watch as and when. Just to sort of deviate for a second, that's an interesting one, Dropkick on My Devil Dash, because the first season of that was on Amazon Prime, if I remember correctly, because I remember watching some of it. Yeah, it's one of those series that's had a sort of a weird split between platforms for whatever reason. I can't remember whether that was kind of a particular like broadcasting slot deal that Amazon grabbed it under, and kind of then you know the second season didn't fall into that broadcasting slot, so they didn't get it or something. But uh, yeah, one of those confusing headache ones where you know if anybody asks like, oh, where can I watch this? It's like, well, season one is here and season two is here. Yeah, so if you do want to check out the first season, everybody, it is on Amazon Prime. Next up, we have My Next Life as a Villainous, All Roots Lead to Doom. That is streaming weekly on Crunchyroll. Then we have Sing Yesterday for Me, which is on Funimation now, if I remember correctly, Andy, because you talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't you? Uh, Yes, yes, that is correct. Yep, so all of those shows that we've just mentioned, folks, are the series that apparently have completed production and will be airing in their entirety as we go along. So if you want to check out those specifically, or perhaps join us in watching them as we go along, because I imagine we're probably going to be talking about those shows in particular over the coming weeks, feel free to join us on that. But now, Andy, this is where things get a little bit, not grey, but things get a bit different, don't they? Yes, yeah. So, yeah, there's also uh, there's also a number of titles that, as, as I mentioned, are either kind of reported as being virtually finished, like they're pretty close to wrapping up, 
Um, and there are also some titles where certain animators or certain staff have reported completing their workload, but we don't necessarily know whether that means the entire production is complete because obviously, you know, they are just one one part in, in that chain. So there's still potentially a lot of other things that could be could be unfinished at this point. So the shows where individual animators have reported they have completed their specific work on a production are BNA, Brand New Animal, and Tower of God, specifically. Now, again, whether those whether that means that the entire production has finished, it's not known, but in terms of certain specific animators or people saying that their own work on that particular project has been completed, that is the case for those. Yeah, and I mean, Brand New Animal is kind of an, an interesting one from a, a UK perspective, because I mean, that is a Netflix title, so that will just be dropping like on mass at some point in the future anyway. So actually, in terms of kind of Western viewing, there's kind of more of a window in terms of, you know, when we'll be able to watch that anyway. So I would assume that it'll probably be finished. So there won't effectively be any delay to when we might be able to watch it. But obviously, it's kind of more of a question mark over the, the Japanese broadcast. Uh, whereas Tower of God, which we've talked about on here previously, you know, that's a Crunchyroll title. So we will we will see how uh, how that pans out. But uh, hopefully that will will keep on trucking indeed and then apparently a staff member reported that the following was almost complete that is what this next category is kaguya summer lovers war season two i know again i watched a little bit of season one loved it and andy i know you're really really enjoying it so essentially some production has definitely been completed on that season but we don't know exactly how much remains Yes, yeah. I mean, the, the exact report is like a little more work remains. So the that tends to suggest, uh, I, I think I kind of read, and I don't know whether people are extrapolating elsewhere, that, you know, at, at worst, they were probably only kind of like, you know, an episode or two was still kind of needed some stuff finishing and touching up. But actually, the vast majority of the series was in the can. So even working at a reduced pace, it seems like there's a pretty to very good chance that the series will just run to schedule and that they won't have any issues, which uh, which is good news because, yeah, that has definitely been a really good kind of weekly pick-me-up series um, because it, it is a lot of good fun. So from there, we then go to Polygon Pictures for a moment because they announced on the 7th of April that all company employees was would switch to remote working starting the next day. The measures were tentatively scheduled from the 8th of April through May the 6th. And although the studio announced that on April 28th, um, sorry, and although the studio announced on April 28th that employees will continue to re work remotely until the 20th of May. So that's where Polygon Pictures are at in terms of their workflow. From there, we move on quickly to talking about Studio Colorido, who were the people behind the film Penguin Highway, which our release is available now should you want to check it out. Studio Colorido announced on February 27th that it ordered its staff to start working from home after learning that a person close to an outsourced freelancer may have come in close contact with a person infected with COVID-19. All other studios and teams of the Twin Engine Group, which includes Gino Studio, Ladeuce, Peakies, this is all easy for me to say, Daisy, Filmini, and Team, oh, I'm going to butcher this one, Andy, Yamahitsuji? That sounds right. There you go. Uh, they all started working home from February 28th through the 13th of March due to frequent interactions between the group's studios. Twin Engine added on March 20th that its studios would continue working from home for the foreseeable future. 
so in terms of the workflows of, of those studios and people involved, I think it's good to see that they have they are all able to continue working from remote locations, seemingly. Yes, yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the the interesting question that sort of came up when you know sort of things uh you know japan into the state of emergency there was a question of like which studios were were tooled or engineered in such a way where they could you know outsource or, or rather kind of you know shift a lot of their working to people working remotely because a, a lot of the a lot of the the studios kind of handling you know more traditional animation are not necessarily particularly well tools to do that there is a lot of kind of assumption on people being kind of attending an office um you know it kind of it's not really a surprise to hear you know somebody like polygon working remotely because obviously everything is digital and you can probably expect that things might slow down a bit because you know you're having to sort of you know upload and download data for for cg productions and that can be pretty hefty um but yeah it's sort of interesting to see all the uh, you know, Colorado, who have, have only recently, I believe, been absorbed into the Twin Engine group, um, but to see all of those studios kind of shifting, it, it would be interesting to to see more in terms of, you know, how comprehensive that is. Like, are, are they able to do all of their work remotely or is there still like a subset that is going to, to be kind of, you know, have, have issues with that? But uh, yeah, like it's it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how how those studios kind of cope moving forward um, in terms of whether they they have all the tools that they need to, to to work remotely. And then the final note to make mention of: several series such as Anpan Man and Saize San have aired new episodes this spring, but halted dialogue voice recording on future episodes. Crunchyroll, Funimation, High Dive, and Netflix have all released series without English dubs, such as Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex 2045. That said, Andy, I believe the English dub for that has now just debuted on Netflix. I think I read somewhere. Okay, yeah, I mean, that that would make sense. I thought they must be quite a quite a, a way done with it, but uh, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of the other interesting wrinkle, kind of regardless of what the studios can do in terms of production. You know how how do you handle getting voice actors and, and actresses into a booth to record dialogue uh, when you know you have kind of you know a state of emergency, et cetera, et cetera. So this, I guess, for kind of productions where you know they're not completed and there is still work ongoing, you know, are there going to be issues in terms of a, a voice recording? You know, if 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 that's part of the process is not complete, then that's going to be a particularly tricky one to to work with. I mean, we've seen in the US, you know, Funimation are, are kind of working at reduced capacity, kind of basically, you know, dubbing from home, where a lot of the actors already effectively have their own kind of like studio setups at home, and you know, thankfully with modern technology, it's relatively easy to to create you know a decent quality sound setup, even if it's not quite you know studio quality uh, for these things. But that that is going to be the other interesting angle from this as as we move forward. You know, whether we we'll, we will reach a point where productions are complete in terms of animation, but maybe are still kind of missing things in terms of uh, in terms of dialogue and and voiceover work. Yeah, and also got to say, fair fair play to Funimation for being able to get a, to create a workaround method to be able to continue dubbing shows because I can only imagine how much of a nightmare that is trying to to get that to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine yeah, just kind of synchronizing all of that because I know. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, like you know, from from a past life, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, like talking to to voice actors that you know that it's not completely unheard of to you know record your lines or, or, you know, record kind of retakes and things from home if it's kind of, you know, not worth going all the way to a studio to do it. But, you know, it's kind of a different level of intensity to try and record entire episodes 
with people working remotely in disparate locations. So, uh, so yeah, like fair, fair play to them for, for getting it done. And, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully they can kind of carry on, uh, carry on working to the, to the best of their ability that way. Yeah, because like, when it comes to just dialogue recording and, and things like that, some of the key things to bear in mind are that when you're in a studio, you normally have to sort of match your timing of your speech to to the lip flaps of a character on screen. And there's probably got to be specific timings of that, depending on how much text you've got to say. But additionally now, Andy, when you're working remotely, and obviously working with different not different levels of equipment, but different ranges of equipment and circumstances, maybe noises and such in the background. In terms of actual audio levels now, being able to balance that out in a final mix while making sure it's of the highest quality possible and making sure all the dialogue timings are still correct, it's it's not surprising that they can't do it quickly at all. But again, I applaud them for being able to do it and for going the extra mile to 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 not only want to, but feeling the need to carry on doing it. Because it's got to be... When you when people look back on this, it is going to be something to behold. And I'm sure everyone having to go into a studio are going to suddenly think, oh, wow, I've not done this in a while. This almost feels like alien. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, studios kind of exist for for good reason, for, for all the reasons that you outlined. So, yeah, like, I, I don't... I'm not particularly kind of envious of the, uh, the, the sort of engineers and production people who are going to have to stitch all that together at the end. But uh, I mean, I've certainly, I've not seen people kind of complaining about a big dip in quality or anything. So I'm assuming that they're doing a pretty stellar job of it at the moment. And, and obviously, I would like to think that everyone is cutting them a little bit of slack if there is something weird that happens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we've all got used to, you know, I mean, if you turn on the TV now, like, you know, you can turn on, I watched something out of curiosity the other week, like the Graham Norton show, where they're just, you know, they're basically just having Zoom calls with celebrities rather than having them in a studio. So there is, there is a lot more kind of slack being taken in terms of like, hey, things are not necessarily going to be, you know, A-grade production levels at this point in time. Like, just be thankful that, that you're getting anything at all, basically. Yeah, what it's like as well when you look at talk shows in the US, you know, if you look at their respective YouTube channels like The Tonight Show or Jimmy Kimmel as two examples that spring to mind, just at this point, just littered with clips of them basically on Zoom calls or whatever like company branded thing they've got a deal with. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So in terms of anime watching now, because like we said, folks, that's the list. I'll put the link to that specific page that we've just referenced from ANN in our show notes at our blog so you can find it easily if you want to. But now let's move on to some things we've been watching. And Andy, like I said, we've been talking about ReZero. We're going to be talking about ReZero, I should say, in a second. But anything else you wanted to highlight just to make mention of or anything you may have checked out? Um, no, not really. It's kind of, you know, been been carrying on with, with some of those aforementioned series that, that are still ongoing and, and they've still been... Uh been having some good times with those but no i think kind of re-zero has, has been sort of the the big anime watching highlight of my weekend i did check out one more thing and that was the third episode of my next life as a villainous all roots lead to doom and that <laughs> ironically was partly because of the the stuff we've just been talking about kind of knowing that was going to be completed it was just like okay you know what i am still just going to kind of gradually watch this And I spoke about the first two episodes before and how much I really, really enjoyed the premise. And for those perhaps tuning in for the first time or if you need a little bit of a refresher, this is the series where someone has been reborn into the scenario of a world that... of the world of an Otome video game, like a dating game, basically, that, that that is all set in. And in the third episode, Lady Katerina, who is the character that that she's been reborn as at the age of eight, 
she is very much into reading romance novels at this point and has decided that she wants has decided that she wants to try and find more people to talk about them with because in her past life she used to read manga all the time and watch anime and would talk to people about them but now she can't because she lives in a very noble regal high society so at this tea party which is being hosted by Gerodo her fiance and then Alan the brother she is like as I'm sure any highbrow person would love to do she's just scoffing a whole bunch of cake at the tea party and then gets to the point where she's like, nope, that was a mistake, time to hit the loo. And as she's walking to the loo, she then has to get chased by a dog, because of course, you know, we've all been there, Andy, when, we really, when we're really like busting the gut quite literally, and then suddenly there is just something that is blocking your way, and you have to basically try and circumvent and navigate around it to be able to actually get to your destination. Mm-hmm. It's a bright pain in the ass, but she ends up climbing a tree, and that's when she notices that a young girl is being bullied by a bunch of like other noble kids, if you will. And she ends up sort of making a grand entrance from the tree because she just has to get to the loo, and she sort of scares them away. And the young girl's really grateful, but the the key phrasing that was being used is that she she was being called like a cursed girl, which is kind of left quite ambiguous. And then after Katarina then promptly then says. Like, sorry, gotta run, bye, to get to the loo. She catches up with her later, and she really loves the way that that this young girl looks, who turns out her name is Sophia. She's got this bright white silky hair, just looks beautiful, these ruby red eyes, which, because of the way nobility is working in this world, she is being teased for having those looks because it makes her look like an old woman or maybe a demon, hence the Mm -hmm. phrase that she's a cursed girl. And she ends up realising that Sophia, in the world of this game, is a person who is also into romance novels. Uh-huh. So she ends up befriending her and inviting her over, which is a really cool, touching moment, because it was highlighted before this that Sophia is a character who is very, very introverted and incredibly shy and doesn't want to go out. And is kind of just told by her parents, look, we know you don't like to go outside, but can you just go to the tea party, please? Like, we'll take it in baby steps, but this is one of the steps you need to take. So the fact that she's suddenly been invited over and been helped out by this brand new person catches her completely off guard, and she's invited over and realises, and also goes over with her brother, I should say, because that's a key detail here. She goes over with her brother, and... This leads to Sophia and Katerina having some wonderful interactions, like discussing romance novels, really getting into the stories and such. And Katerina basically befriending Sophia and making Sophia realise, no, she's not putting on an act just to try and, you know, one-up her or something. She genuinely wants to be a friend of hers. And as the episode progresses, it's a really touching moment when you see Sophia realising this is actually real. Like, this isn't a joke or this isn't, like, a dream or anything. It's genuinely real. The part of the the episode where things come into a bit of a a weird flux at this point is the brother, who Sophia's with, by the name of Nicole Ascart, because they're part of the Ascart family. Because Katerina realises that he is the fourth route to doom in the game Fortune Lover. So he is now like the fourth love interest, basically. Yeah. <laughs> who has got a massive sister complex as well. So basically, she realises that she has to win over the friendship. Well, I say she has to win over the friendship because it's partly her wanting to survive in this world, but also partly because she genuinely wants to actually talk romance novels and have a couple of more friends and stuff. But she realises that to win the brother over, 
she's going to have to win over the friendship of Sophia, especially if he is potentially a, a route to doom. Just in general, want to keep him on the good side of things. So this leads to some some kind of awkward moments because he's playing it safe. Like he really cares for his sister, seemingly, and is just looking out for her. Ultimately, things sort of smooth over quite a bit and he is seemingly content with her. And everyone's happy. Sophia lends Katerina, actually invites Katerina over to her house to sort of come over and have like a fun day of which Katerina's brother, I think it is Keith, is then sort of visiting as well as kind of like a, you know, an envoy and whatnot. And while the two guys are just sitting in the corner sipping tea, doing nothing, Katerina and Sophia are just having a great time talking romance novels. Some <laughs> really, really fun stuff going on. The part where this kind of all then gets a little bit weird is as they're about to leave, and this is the point where Nicole kind of says, you know, yeah, we really are, like, blessed to have such a great family. You know, thank you for befriending her and stuff. It's the, It then comes to the attention of Katerina that Keith is looking quite longingly at Nicole. And so there's kind of a, a moment of, like, oh, no, wait a minute, I didn't think about this. I, n- I never played the root of the game involving this Nicole Ascart guy. I don't know what this means. <laughs> So that's kind of the other unknown now, and she's having to try and remember from what other friends of hers told her happened in his scenario. Yeah. So she's, she promptly leaves, at which point we then go to a new scene, Andy, where the exact line of dialogue appears on screen. It's been seven years since the spring when I recalled my past life at the age of eight. I'm now 15 years old. Yeah, okay, you've got to, to, to that point. <laughs> so yeah, we've now had a, just randomly had a seven-year time skip where it's now Katerina's birthday, everyone's grown up a bit more, everyone now looks like how they do in the opening credits, which is quite a culture shock in some ways. And basically now, the whole idea is they're about to enrol in, in a magic academy, I think it is. Yeah. And it's can Katerina survive the game? Because essentially now, she is of the age where the plot of the actual video game begins. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember kind of reading the, the light novel and kind of being uh, not not particularly enamoured by the fact that oh, all these characters are kind of young, like, how is this going to pan out? And then it's suddenly like, and by the way, here's a big time skip. And it's like, okay, now this all makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I, I won't lie. It was, I did burst out laughing when that happened because I just thought, because uh, my, my exact feelings were, you know what? I've really enjoyed this episode. That's been really fun just to kind of see that Sophia character break out of her shell you know, become friends with Katerina and her other friends as well. Just a really feel-good episode. And then it just suddenly, out of nowhere, goes, it's been seven years, and I just burst out laughing. <laughs> because I, I I figured at some point there would be some kind of time skip, just not that not that bluntly, I guess, is the way to phrase it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is fair. It, it was very direct in its approach, but <laughs> I'm still really, really enjoying this. I'm going to try not to just binge all the episodes that are out. I, mean, I think I'm only a couple behind in fairness. I am going to probably try and keep this to like a weekly thing, just so I've got something to keep me going. But it, it is genuinely very good fun. It's got some wonderful characters, some wonderful comedic moments. How the characters are going to be now that they're of the age of the game's storyline I am looking forward to seeing how that develops. So I can imagine, based on some of the little details that Katerina tried to play ball with when she was younger, maybe like trying to make sure she is friends with everyone and isn't an enemy so that she doesn't ultimately get a route to doom, I'm wondering how some of that is going to come back to bite her, because inevitably it must. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, I think you're kind of getting to the point that sort of 
probably like the next episode will probably like take you to the end of what was like volume one of the light novels i'm guessing because i seem to recall that was about like you know maybe two-thirds of the way in or so mm. so uh yeah like it's uh I, I, th- this is where the real story starts i guess as, as these things tend to go so, so yeah, folks, so there you go. So if you want to check out the first three episodes of My Life as a, My Next to Life as a Villainous All Roots Lead to Doom, it's on Crunchyroll, streaming weekly. And I know I kind of went into a fair amount of depth in that, but I did kind of want to lead up to the whole time skip thing. I'll try and do a better job for future episodes of not just outright saying what's going on. So apologies for anyone if you're annoyed about spoilers and such. But, um... <laughs> sorry, Andy? Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so, uh... Also, really, really unrelated. I've just looked out of my window and... <laughs> Sorry, I, I need to try and... I don't know why I'm saying this now, but I've just noticed this. That there's like a... Where I kind of live in Glasgow, it's very close to the city centre, and I can see that there's quite an iconic building by George Square in Glasgow where there's like a building with lots of like pink windows and it says, People Make Glasgow. It's quite an iconic structure. On top of it, there's like some concrete parts of the building and such. One of them has now seemingly either got... I'm going to assume it's graffiti. It just says in big, bold letters, sexy. No, I mean, <laughs> I can't argue with that. I, I might have to take a picture of this and sh- share this online somewhere. Or maybe, uh, sorry, that has just caught me off guard and derailed the podcast. Anyway, where were we? Um, yes, so next up, Andy. <laughs> That's totally uh, thrown me for a loop. Yeah, so so yeah, as, as mentioned, uh, it's kind of uh, time to start thinking about ReZero again, even though season two hasn't landed yet. And yeah, so I think we, we've both watched the uh, the second ReZero OVA, the uh, the Frozen Bond, which uh, finally landed on Crunchyroll last week. Yeah, so uh, to sort of set the scene here a little bit when it comes to our experiences with ReZero, because I know you talked about how you had been watching the director's cut versions recently, but when it came to ReZero first airing, were you a week-to-week person, or did you just kind of do it all after the fact? Oh yeah, I was very much a week to week person, and like Re Zero is kind of like prime cliffhanger territory as as a series. Like it's one of those shows where every week it knows it knows to drop a big like oh my god like I need to watch next week's episode moment, and so it was a really enjoyable week on week experience. Um, one of those really good kind of like social media viewings where you know you could all just have your outpouring of like oh my god at the end of it and then you know someone would just reply to you like yeah me too and you know it was uh, it was always good fun doing that so yeah I, I really enjoyed watching that week week by week and the, the director's cut episodes are a bit weird because they're like double length so they were they were pretty good at kind of it was still structured quite well that you still end up with that sort of experience but also you'd sometimes have weird kind of cliffhangers drop in the middle of an episode that would then be immediately resolved because, you know, you've just <laughs> sandwiched two episodes together. Yeah, my experience with ReZero, if I remember correctly, because you told me, Jeremy, you must watch this. That's and so I did start watching it and freaking loved it. And then I think there was a point where, for whatever reason, I randomly had to drop off for a while. It may have just been because stuff going on with work or other stuff. And then I picked it up again, and I I think I was near enough doing it week to week. I may have done it, like, every other week, so I had more than one to watch. But I was pretty much there, like, day in date with the ending. Yeah. And like you said, in terms of just, like, a viewing experience week to week, it was freaking great. And for those who aren't too familiar with ReZero, general overview plot is it's an isekai, so trapped in another world scenario. But it's a world where Subaru, the main character, he, every time he dies, he basically, think of it like a continue in a video game. Like, whatever your last checkpoint was, it will essentially take you back to that last checkpoint. 
and then he can then re either essentially replay the events but correct what he did wrong or maybe go in a different direction and it goes wrong in an entirely different way it it very much plays on that and that's partly why andy it was such a unique experience because you didn't know what was going to come next yeah yeah for, for sure it was like you know again you know the, the isekai genre is kind of you know pretty pretty well filled at this point but like this is this is a really good example of, of one that kind of manages to use those trappings really well i mean you know part part of its initial setup is kind of you know subaru transferred to another world it's like oh cool well, like what amazing magic powers do i have it's like oh i'm not sure i have any um and then you only kind of obviously learn later on that you do have a power but perhaps well, both both a desirable and very much not desirable power, depending on how you look at it. And in terms of what this OVA, The Frozen Bond, is, it is actually a prequel story set before the events of the series. But, Andy, it's kind of set the scene because I've not seen the other OVA, Memory Snow, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. So what's sort of the general setup for that particular OVA? Where does that sort of fit in the continuity? Um, so I think it slots in basically before this one because i mean there's sort of there's a a moment in this aviation this is not really a spoiler particularly like where there's a bunch of ice sculptures hanging around um and you know that kind of gets referenced in, in kind of like basically the lawn of kind of like roswell's mansion um so basically like all of that stuff gets made as part of a kind of like fun little sort of snow day competition effectively that happens in the first OVA um so the first OVA is very much kind of light-hearted just like a fun time hanging out with some of these characters and seeing them you know having having a bit of a breather from murder and etc etc um so this is kind of the more serious of the two OVAs uh because that one was very much just a kind of not really vital viewing just a kind of fun you know chance to revisit the characters basically so is that set after the events of the series then? Um, I, or is that just kind of, you can kind of slot it in anywhere after a point? Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I feel like there is a specific point that it slots into, but in terms of actually watching it, it's kind of like, it doesn't really matter all that much. It's, you know, you can you can kind of run with, with whatever for it. Okay, because the reason I ask is because I've not actually seen that OVA, Hindsight being 2020, so I wasn't sure if there was... Well, I actually kind of the, the reason I wanted to bring it up specifically was to ask: Was there anything particularly referenced in that that may have impacted a couple of questions I had in regards to this particular one of the Frozen Bond? And yeah, the fact, you, the fact you mentioned the sculptures is kind of part of that. Yeah, yeah, like that is pretty much the only part that really kind of has any play at all. Like the rest of it is all very much, you know, kind of sat in its its own standalone place. Uh, whereas, of course, this is is far more of a, a prequel, effectively, you know, an, an origin story for. Amelia and Park and kind of you know some some of the early days of, of their relationship. Yeah. So in terms of so in terms of this OVA specifically and sort of the, the experience of watching it and whatnot, the reason why I wanted to bring up our experience with watching the main mainline version of the series is that I have not gone back and rewatched or seen a director's cut version of the of that series at all since it aired. So I very much feel like I, I kind of just jumped into this, just thinking, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. Let's just see how it is. Hindsight being 2020, I feel like I probably should have watched a little bit of ReZero again before diving in because there were certain elements I had just totally forgotten about. And even though this is a prequel set before the series, in terms of just Amelia as a character and some of the... Just some of the, the, the world the worldview perceptions of her, I had kind of forgotten how much of that was present in the series. 
Because mm. I remember it definitely being present at certain points and her being very guarded and whatnot. But that was that came back to me obviously as it as the OVA was progressing. But I think hindsight being twenty twenty, if I'd have maybe kind of gone back and watched a little bit of the series again, or maybe just done a little bit of a refresher in my brain before diving in, that might have helped a little. <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit more with my overall viewing experience. Yes, yeah. I mean, I suspect I probably did. Uh, there, there was certainly a, a point here that, yeah, like you mentioned, with kind of you know the response to uh, to Amelia, like th- there was a point that that very much kind of loops back around, if you like, to kind of one of the the first episodes of ReZero, like the first time Amelia introduces herself by name to Subaru, she actually doesn't use her own name, she uses another name, mm-hmm. um, and that is kind of it, it. Sort of, it really plays. A, a, plays with that here because yeah like you hear her kind of called by that name and it's kind of this really jarring reminder of like oh this is this is how most people view you and like this is this is not a good thing for amelia at all so yeah i mean i, I probably benefited from uh, from watching the uh, the director's cut in that regard because all of that was still fresh in my head but that being said though and this isn't just to jump ahead right to like what ultimately happens and stuff in this ova now that I have watched this OVA, I am now really wanting to watch the director's cut. Mm, Especially yeah. knowing it's like season two isn't going to be debuting at best, because let's be fair, folks, we don't know for sure at this point, until the summer. It's kind of now made me go, okay, I've been reintroduced to this world, given I've not re-watched the series, and I only remember very little bits about it. I'm almost curious to now watch the series having just watched this OVA and just kind of see how it feels. Mm, yeah yeah i mean i think that probably is i mean obviously kind of you know that the way it was was released was very much kind of you know subsequent to the series um so yeah i, I think it's uh it's one of those surprising things of like oh yeah rezero was kind of quite a while ago now because i mean you know re-watching the director's cut you know i remembered a lot of the the big picture things that happened but there were still plenty of kind of little moments and little kind of twists and turns that still caught me unawares second time around because it had just been quite a while since i last watched it Hmm. So in terms of the, the actual premise of this Frozen Bond OVA, just to sort of take... Because A&M put up a review a while ago, actually, by Kim Morrissey, who was a guest previously on one of our Scott and Love's anime podcasts. So just sort of taking her synopsis of this OVA from her review on A&M. A prequel story set seven years before the beginning of the ReZero series. Amelia lives in a secluded forest covered in snow with the spirit Puck. The forest holds a secret... The elves who once lived there have have been frozen into ice. Amelia is feared by the people living on the outskirts of the forest, but makes a humble living selling magic stones and warding off magic beasts. One day, however, her peaceful life is disrupted when the great spirit of fire, Malaquera, decides to lay his judgment upon her. I feel that's a very good sort of summary as to, to, to set the scene here and everything. So I suppose, Andy, just first of all, thoughts overall on the OVA. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, it's one of those weird things, I think, whenever you go to, like, a kind of, like, backstory or origin story for a character, it always feels a bit weird seeing them kind of divorced from the rest of the cast, because, like, ReZero in particular becomes quite sort of an ensemble affair at times, like, it's very much, especially when it's focused around Amelia, you, like, you know, you normally have Ram and Ram there, Subaru's normally around, like we've never really seen a whole lot of Amelia just kind of on her own in isolation or just kind of her and Puck. So it's kind of an interesting sort of 
tonal shift almost to, to have that like even before you get to the fact that you know this is kind of origin story material like this is way before sort of the events of of you know re-zero the actual full-blown series um so it's sort of it takes a bit of getting used to almost to, to have that um but i think it's it's interesting like i think it, it does a good job of kind of giving you another angle to Amelia's character that sort of explains a lot about the character that you see within the series um so i think it does a pretty good job in in those terms um and it also reminds you that puck is not just a cute cuddly kitty thing it's also pretty a pretty big badass when it needs to be as well yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head in particular when it comes to the ensemble nature of ReZero, which I don't think, again, as you basically just said, I had fully appreciated until like the pretty good first 20 minutes of this OVA had gone by. Because when you've got Amelia just on her own, just kind of wandering this frozen forest, seeing these ice sculptures, which again, because I've not watched ReZero in so blooming long, that's why I kind of wanted to ask what was what was the first OVA about? Because I almost wondered had that been explained in the first OVA, which then led into this mm. specifically. Because I just, again, I'm just so sort of just don't have much details to be quite frank. So I wanted to make sure I hadn't potentially missed anything specific on that. But yeah, just the very unknown nature of it, which I think actually lends itself quite well into this OVA. How, because there are sort of lots of unanswered questions and this is seven years before the start of the series. So you need to, remove yourself from where you got to in the series with Amelia and you need, you're now appreciating where she came from and like you said how she first introduced herself to Subaru why certain people address her as a certain ways those things are very much referenced and amplified in a multitude of ways during this OVA and I think it it is a wonderful show of the of the development of her character and how even amongst all the persecution she is going through of people just calling her a witch and wanting to try and capture her and stuff like that, or, you know, just want her dead and such. She's still just a really kind person, even yes, through all yeah. of that. Yeah, it, it does It does a good job of kind of setting the, the basis for, for that character. Yeah, like in terms of her sort of, you know, wanting to, to see the best in people and kind of like the, the naivety almost that comes from that. Like, you know, there's sort of pretty much one of the sort of recurring themes of this OVA is, is kind of her expectation that like uh, everything will kind of, work out and all the things that have gone wrong will be fixed somehow at some point whereas kind of puck is kind of more the voice of reason there of just like you know don't, don't stake everything on this like at some point you know you're gonna have to move on or escape or, or whatever and like you know to to be prepared for that and so that that relationship between those two characters is, is quite interesting because you know there's clearly sort of a a bond as the the title of the ABA suggests but there's also kind of like two very different viewpoints on on kind of the the, the issues at hand there yeah so i guess at this point folks we probably should make a little note that we're likely going to be going into some spoilers about this now and certain things that happen in the OVA so if you don't want to hear spoilers Thank you for listening, I guess, because we're probably going to be near the end of this as well <laughs> at the rate it's going. But just to kind of put that out there, spoiler zone sort of kicking in from now. It, it's interesting, Andy, when it comes to Puck, because the way that the OVA begins is it very much just says, you, you know, you have an agreement here that you're going to protect Amelia, but you won't get directly involved in helping her. Which I think that's what the phrasing was. And that, that plays on a lot of the actions of Puck throughout this story and ultimately the contract that is signed between Puck and Amelia. 
and again, you might have to just refresh my brain here. Is that at all referenced in the series, this contract between them? Um, yes. I mean, I think, again, it's a pretty vague, you know, there's no real... It's not really explained, you know, why or kind of how that came to be. It's very much just, a, you know, this, this is this is the way things are kind of thing. Yeah, the reason I ask is because the way that the episode, the episode, the OVA ultimately concludes with them sort of looking at the sunset and Puck in, in what I'm going to call as badass mode, um, just sitting as like a giant cat that would rip you to shreds in an instant, but looking quite happy about it. There is a moment where Puck implies, yeah, I've made a contract with you now. You know, I don't know if my previous thing is going to come back to bite me or not. Essentially yeah. is what it implies. And that almost made me think, okay, that that is going to come back into play at some point dur- during a future story in the ReZero universe. Mm. So it's interesting how that felt like a, a very much a setup for something while also being the happy ending of the OVA and gets us to sort of to... to to familiar ground, if you will, I thought that that was a very direct, a very direct tactic when it came to the story of making you aware. Yeah, they're very, you know, they love each other and whatnot. They're they're the best of pals, like mother, father, daughter, however you want to phrase it. But at the same time, this might be at a cost. Yes, yeah. I mean, there is, there is. It's sort of is the one thing I wasn't necessarily expecting from from this was that it would leave so much still kind of left unsaid. You know, there's still a, a lot that isn't explained here. I was kind of expecting this to be a bit of a tell-all, but uh, it's actually really, really not. Yeah, it's very much focused just on that specific time. Like, in terms of how... And again, again Andy, forgive me for just seeming totally unprepared for this. Because I've not watched ReZero, I can't remember if it's explicitly ever stated how Amelia ended up at the Rosewall Mansion. No, again, I mean, I, I think... I'm trying to think. I, I think it is kind of vaguely explained that you know, like he he took her in, and you know, uh, is is basically is basically her sponsor. I think uh, I, I'm not sure how much of it is explicitly said, but like my understanding is that like at some point he meets Amelia, understands that she has a heck of a lot of power, um, like kind of regardless of of her looks, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and becomes her sponsor in kind of you know the the, the sort of the, the race to become the the next ruler effectively and so you know he's he's effectively there sort of bankrolling her because you know it's the the obviously you know as, as we see in this ova she she really has nothing um and so he kind of comes along to kind of give her a, a leg up in in that sense because he can see the potential mm, she literally lives in a tree uh, yeah yeah exactly like in in the middle of nowhere yeah, cause, yeah, it, like you said it, it it is interesting looking back on it now how it didn't like you said, it didn't perhaps give the entire tell-all that you may have expected, or at least perhaps filled in enough of the gaps of Amelia's past to kind of get you back to the beginning of the series. It is interesting, which perhaps leaves it open for them to touch on that during the second season, maybe. Maybe there's going to be more of a tell-all during that. But in terms of other elements of the story specifically, because I appreciate I've kind of led a lot of this discussion so far from the spoiler point of view, was there anything else in particular you wanted to make mention of or anything that stood out to you? Um, no, not not really. I mean, I, I think it was kind of you know it, it it does a good job of of what it sets out to, and that there isn't anything that was kind of particularly sort of incredibly surprising about that. Um, but yeah, it was it was an enjoyable little kind of journey through those those particular characters that uh, you know is sort of it, it's perfect sort of OVA fodder because I think this would have felt weird had you dropped it in as an episode anywhere within the series but it kind of standing alone to add context to things is kind of like the the best place for it basically 
Mm. And also, in terms of its duration, because I pretty should have actually looked when I hit play on this, I didn't realise until it got to like halfway through, I just thought, how long is this OVA? And it's like a good 70 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, it's basically, it's pretty much, you know, a, a feature length. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, they, they ran it in cinemas in Japan. So, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's not not quite a, your sort of typical 90 minutes anime feature, but it's not all that far shy of it. So it's it's very much in that ballpark. And in terms of its overall production, I thought it looked really, really great. And being in that sort of frozen ice, snow land type setting, I, I really, really enjoyed the overall setting of it. And Malaquera... The way that that was being integrated, the, the sort of fire horse demon type thing, I thought looked badass as hell. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And again, it's sort of it, it was a nice sort of it was nice to see something a bit different from from kind of the mainstream kind of TV series because you don't really get to see that kind of setting. I mean, there are some some snowy vistas in ReZero, but usually not not for quite the same reasons. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a, a nice little uh, little switch around from from perhaps some of the the usual scenarios we've seen within the, the show. And in terms of just the overall character development of Amelia and Puck and their bond like as a unit, it it obviously is referenced in to various degrees from what I recall throughout the series, but in terms of why they have such a deep connection and such a deep trust with each other, I thought that that element of their relationship was explored fantastically during this OVO. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, especially almost most interestingly, kind of from from Puck's point of view, because you know he's he seems to be you know kind of like like you say, it's almost he's there to start with because it's his duty. But over the course of this OVA, you kind of get to see that there is more to it than that, and that you know there there is a genuine kind of bond that that forms between them at that point. Mm. As to how this will ultimately play into the future of ReZero. Uh, I mean, if you've read books and such, and maybe you know, but you know, don't spoil it for me, please, because I want to watch the new series. But in, yeah. terms of how, in terms of how it's going to play in, Andy, at this point, I have no idea, because I'm sure <laughs> it's going to come back in there at some point. Yes, yeah, I suspect all of this kind of, you know, gets uh, get some kind of play later on in the light novels. Yeah, I've, I've sort of resisted reading the, the light novels simply to, to kind of, you know, watch it via the, the anime. But yeah, this is the kind of thing that makes me tempted. Like, I could just like start, start churning my way through those to find out. And as we said, folks, that is available to stream now on Crunchyroll. That is ReZero, the Frozen Bond. Should also highlight, Andy, it is in Japanese with subtitles only. We've got no idea if this is going to get a dub in the future or not. Just one, things being the way they are, and two, from a licensing perspective, we just don't know. But oh, well, I, 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 I do know that it is going to get an English dub. So that, that has been confirmed, but obviously, okay. yeah, the, the, question, the question is more probably a case of, of when currently. Mm, because I know that there are a lot of ReZero fans out there who have watched it dubbed, and uh, th- what I was going to say with with that original notion in mind was I would love for the dubbed fans to be able to watch this and not have to watch it subtitled, and it perhaps not not change the experience for them, but it in a in a way slightly disconnects the overall impact that this needs to have when watching it. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. So as we said, folks, that is streaming on Crunchyroll now. And of course, if you want to check out the original Re- ReZero series, we've released the series on DVD and... Uh, on, yeah, we have released it on DVD and Blu-ray. I don't know what I was going to say. We have, yes. <laughs> I don't know why. For some reason, I was just thinking, what else could, would we have released it on? Heck if I know. It's Tuesday, folks. This is the way my brain works. But yes, we have released the series on Blu-ray and DVD. So you can pick that up right now from any retailer, including our alltheanime.com online shop. You can watch the Director's Cut series on Crunchyroll as well, and I believe the original series is also still on there as well, correct, Andy? Uh, Yes, yes, it is indeed. 
And as mentioned, you can check out the OVAs on Crunchyroll. So Andy, I guess uh, in terms of concluding thoughts when it comes to the ReZero OVA or just any other ReZero thoughts in general you want to make mention of, anything to add? Um, no, I mean, I think as, as I mentioned on, on our previous episode, like I, I really, uh, I'm really jonesing to watch season two at this point in time. Um, like the, the director's cut adds a, a big old cliffhanger that uh, that is is very very cruel now that we're we're having to wait an extra few months for season two so uh yeah i'm I'm just gonna be kind of sat there twiddling my thumbs counting down the days until i get to find out what happens next i guess i will actually ask when it comes to that director's cut cliffhanger you mentioned does this change the original the original ending to the tv series um, it basically adds to it, so it just kind of extends on. Like the TV series is very much a case of like, oh, the you know problem in question has been sorted, yay, good for us. Whereas the clip, the the uh, director's cut then adds a big but on the end of that, uh, and it is a very big but on the end of it. Um, so uh, so yeah, like I, I I want to to see where they're they're going with that, which is uh, I think the thing a lot of people have been hinting. Uh, hinting at because when this director's cut came out like there was a lot of talk of like they're, they're going to need to rework things because they've missed out something vital from the the, the the light novels and actually they managed to kind of retool it in a way where that just gets dropped in at the end of the kind of by the way um kind of moment so uh so yeah there is a uh, much for them to work with there Oh, cool. Like I say, I'm probably definitely going to try and check out the director's cut versions, especially especially now, like I say, the second season is at this point due to come out or start airing in the summer, I should say. So so there we go. And Andy, I guess away from ReZero specifically, anything else you wanted to make mention of before we begin to close out? Uh, no, I think uh, I think that's it from uh, from me. Yeah, nothing else specifically to mention from me as well, folks. In terms of our next podcast this week, we're aiming to have one up on Friday for you. In terms of what we're going to be talking about specifically, to, to be perfectly blunt, everybody, we haven't we, we haven't decided yet. We might just talk about some more things we've been watching. We might do a focus on a particular show. Might try and bring a guest on if we can. We're sort of trying to weigh up our options a bit because it's getting a little bit busier around these parts for various reasons, which hopefully we can talk about soon. But, it, like I said, though, in terms of all the anime.com and special offers, Gankutsuo, the special offer on that concludes today, Tuesday the 5th of May. The offer on Terror and Resonance concludes this Thursday, the 7th of May. And uh, Andy, got some good times ahead and hopefully some fun special offers that people will be looking forward to as well. Yes, yes, we certainly do. Yeah, like I say, you know, getting get into a, a busy time, I think May is, is going to be, be quite a, quite an exciting month for us, uh, one way or the other. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned and, uh, and we will reveal all over the coming weeks. Indeed, and one thing I will actually float out there to people as well is like, in a bid to try and evolve the podcast a little bit more, Andy and I have been toying with the idea of maybe trying to do some kind of live video podcast via our YouTube channel and such. So for those of you listening, just to kind of float out the idea that would that be of interest to have a video version of the podcast, be it in addition to or, you know, in place of... Well, we still release an audio version regardless, but would a video version that's being streamed live or archived after the fact as well be of interest to anyone? Let us know because we would love to hear, wouldn't we, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard lots of feedback of people saying they really want to see my face. So, um, you know, we've got to, got to give the people what they want and uh, and, and show you my, my beautiful visage on camera. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll just try and don my what I call the cousin it from Adam's family looking just brush my hair over my face. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised you don't have some kind of like you know, luchador wrestling mask that you can use. Surely, surely you of all people must have one of those. So do you know what, right? I, I do have a wrestling mask, but it's at my parents' place. Oh, no. It's of a wrestler called Super Dragon. 
<laughs> seen better. <laughs> and uh, it's also a mask that I used in my dissertation for, for my musical theatre degree at university. <laughs> there you go. That, therein lies a tale by the sound of it. There you go. That's a tease for a future story if anyone ever asks about it. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can, can, can we just title this, this episode Super Dragon now? Like, even though we just dropped it in at the end. If you want, sure, yeah. This episode's called Super Dragon. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> Folks, thank you very much for listening. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Andy Hanley, we've been Team All the Anime, signing out and speak to you soon. Bye, everyone. <laughs>